Hello, my name is Nicholas, and this exclusive podcast will be talking about the history of LGBT in Canada and the visual artists in the community. Fair warning, what I can be talking about may trigger some people since I'll be talking about serious injustice that that has happened in the past, such as killing and many other triggering topics. So you have been warned now. So first things first, let's talk about what is the LGBT. So the LGBTQ is an acronym for Lesbian, Gay, Bisexual, Transgender, and Questioning. So now let's start, well, let's start. So let's start with the history part, of course. So in the 17th century in New France, way before Canada was a thing, official, the first ever homosexual trial has taken place. The military drummer had an intervention and was sentenced to become New France's first permanent executioner. Their sexual partner had been believed to be First Nations and was, and was not subject to the New France religious law. Skip to the 19th century, same-sex activity between men were punishable by death, and many were sentenced to death and none survived, unfortunately. though many lives have been commonly pardoned by the governors. Two political figures, Alexander Wood and George Henchmer Markland, were criminally investigated for allegations of homosexuality. Both were let off on condition and they resigned from their political postings. In 1859, a reform of the Canadian law says, and I quote, every guilt Every person guilty of abominable crime of buggery committed either with mankind or with any animal shall suffer death as a felon. This remained until 1969 when a reform of the Canadian criminal law removed the death penalty for all but the more serious crime. A law targeting all homosexual male activity, or called gross indecency, was passed in 1892 as a part of to the criminal law. Next is the 20th century. Some changes in the criminal code in 1948 and 1961 used worked uh, as criminal sexual psychopaths and dangerous sexual offenders. These labels provided for prison sentences in 1950s and in 60s during a campaign to eliminate all homosexuals from the civil service, the RCMP, and the military, they employed a device called the fruit machine. This device was supposedly to be able to identify gay men. Because of this device, many workers were fired. The project was cut off in the late 1960s. The investigation continues and the RCMP collected over 9,000 suspected homosexuals. During this time, Everett George Clippett caused so much discussion of homosexuality among Canadians, he was the last person in Canada to be arrested and convicted and imprisoned for gross indecency for homosexuality in 1969. He was later released in 1971 due to the McLean's which is a popular Canadian uh, news uh, 
paper, they printed an article sympathetic to homosexuals. This lead led to an increasing call to reform Canadian Canada's law on homosexuality. A same sexual activity was decriminalized in Canada as a result of Bill C-15, uh, 150, that was introduced in 1967 and passed in 1969. In 1971, the Canada's first ever gay rights march called We Demand Rally took place in Ottawa. In 1973, many Canadian cities held gay rights events at this time. Pride and, this, and Pride Week 1973 happened. February 5th, 1981, four gay bathhouses in Toronto were raided by the Toronto police in an operation called Operation Soap. In 1986, sexual orientation was added to the hum Ontario Human Rights Code as a prohibited ground for discrimination. This act prohibits discrimination in employment, jobs, housing, and many other services, but it did not apply federally. In 1987, in 19, in eight, in 1997, Manitoba and Yukon added it to their Human Rights Code as well. In 1988, NDP MP Sevent Robinson became the first MP in Canada to come out as gay. They confessed to the media outside the House of Commons. In 1990, the provincial government of Yukon of Yukon employees became the second public sector workers in Canada whose same-sex partners were eligible for spouse benefits. In 1991, sexual orientation was added to the Nova Scotia's Human Rights Act. In 1992, then-Justice Justice Minister and Attorney General of Can Canada, Kim Campbell, who was later to become Canada's first female Prime Minister, lifted its ban on homosexuals working in the Canadian Armed Forces, which allowed members of the LGBT to serve and live on base with their partners. Due to this decision, Canada became one of the first countries to allow homosexuals in the military. Also in 1992, sexual orientation was added to the human rights law of New Brunswick and British Columbia. 1993, Saskatchewan also added sexual orientation to the Human Rights Act. In 1994, the Supreme Court of Canada ruled that gays and lesbians could apply for refugee status based on their sexual orientation. In 1995, a court in Ontario ruled that gay and lesbians couples who want to adopt jointly are allowed to, making Ontario the first province to allow this. 1996, sexual orientation was finally added to the Canadian Rights Human Rights Act. This anti-discrimination law applies federally throughout Canada. The same year, the Green Party of Canada became the first to endorse legislation of same-sex same marriage becoming the first federally registered party to do so. In 1998, Prince, Prince Edward Island added sexual orientation to their Human Rights Act. In 1997, 1999, Nunavut added sexual orientation to their Human Rights Act. 
Finally, welcome to the 21st century. In 2001, NDP MP Libby Davies confessed that she had a female partner, making her Canada's first and first only so far female MP to come out. In 2002, sexual orientation and gender identity were added to the Northwest Territories Human Rights Act. In May 2004, the House of Commons and the Senate passed Bill C-250. This bill added sexual orientation to the hate propaganda section of the criminal code, which means that people can't say that gay can be passed down to a newborn. In, in July 2004, Scott Brinson became the first openly gay cabinet minister, uh, member when Liberal Prime Minister Paul Martin appointed him to be the Minister of Public Works and Government Services. June 28, 2005, a vote of 158 to 133 the House of Commons passed Bill C-38, the Civil Marriage Act, and on July 19, 2005, with a vote of 47 to 21, the Senate approved the bill. This bill allowed it, allowed it same-sex marriage. As of 2009, all provinces and territories have included sexual orientation to their human rights law. February 2011, the House of Commons passed Bill C-289 to amend Federal Canadian Human Rights Act to include gender identity and gender expression to anti-discrimination laws. January 26, 2013, Kathleen Wynne was elected Premier of Ontario. She became the first female and first LGBT minister in Ontario. She was also highest-ranking elected openly LGBT official in North America. Finally, June 22, 2021, the House of Commons passed BC6 to ban conversion therapy. Conversion therapy was an attempt to make people who are gay straight, but scientifically, this never worked. The ban officially came into effect in December 14, 2021. It's amazing how, how crazy the LGBT has been in history of Canada. I honestly, when I started working on this, I was expecting nothing much than sexual or uh, same-sex marriage was legalized in 2005. So now to the second part of the podcast. LGBT visual artist. So if you go to, so since this is talking about visual artists, there will be some visual arts. So you can go to lgbt.bcssmedia.ca to view the PowerPoint of this section of the podcast. First, we have Lila Bairori. She fled her dangerously homophobic country of Uganda she had to leave her family, her girlfriend, her friends, just for her own survival sake. Now she works anywhere using African techniques to make her own art. She became an activist and how she lives to be a lesbian to fight for the rights of her community with the help of social media.
Max Colby. He makes creative pillows. And he says, a primary interest in the work is to reframe conversations on democracy, power, and gender through a queer and non-binary lens. He is deeply interested in, in histories of materials and limits their to occupant West European, American colonial, and contemporary Amer American fabrics. Geo Black Peter. This artist is known for his unique style of figure drawing, a touched, exaggerated, exaggerated, endearing, and pro-creative. He pulled off inspiration from carpentry, carpentry and gardening. That's why there are plants in his art. He paints alone in his studio from 9 p.m. to morning. He says that is when New York is the most peaceful. Castles. Castles have many elements for their arts, such as clay, fire, photography, urine, and muscle of, of their body to make their art more, to excite whoever sees the art. The international known artist tries to hijack the viewer's experience. Castles once have collected their own urine for 200 days straight and presented in a result in an exhibition showing the physical burden placed on an individual body when bathroom access is restricted. And finally, Neo Bustamante. She's, she has been showing her art across the globe for over 25 years. She still loves the rush of doing pr production such as studio or a performance. She says the trick to find space in your mind to allow for ideas to unfold. There are, are a lot of procrastination involved. I always say if you're not pr procrastinating, you haven't started yet. Bustamante says she does not make much art for the LGBT community, but the community holds and supports her. So that's finally, that's finally the end of the podcast. It was crazy that there's a lot of history that involved in the LGBT community in Canada and amazing arts from the that there's artists from the community. I'm glad to be part of the community and the people around me are, I'm happy that they support me. So thank you for listening to my podcast of history of LGBT in Canada and LGBT artists. Thank you. And I hope you enjoyed. Please follow up on the next podcast, whatever that might be soul ties or the discussion table or am I the jerk? Am I really the jerk podcast? Thank you and have a great day.